Hello and happy new year from the Show Me Mo School Facilities Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peach, and this is that time of the month again where we have our fireside chat with Executive Director Charlie Branham. I have to say uh, for the first episode of the new year, and we haven't had any episodes since the last fireside chat, I have been under the weather, uh, as you can probably tell with my voice. Um, So I am going to do probably the least amount of talking. And when I say this, I typically do the most amount of talking, but I'm going to do the least amount of talking today and let Charlie and our esteemed guest um, do most of the talking. So first and foremost, Charlie, happy new year. I see you're wearing that uh, fancy shirt of a team that, uh, that they win this weekend. You know, I, I'm not sure I was sitting in the end zone at uh, AT&T stadium in Dallas and, Right in the end zone where the last 15 minutes of the game, the Missouri Tigers scored two touchdowns. Uh, It wasn't a lot of points, but we won the Cotton Bowl. So that is a big deal for the University of Missouri and all our football fans. Congratulations. I have uh, only been to um, two college football games, being a Boston person. College football is not uh, as big as it is where you are. I've been to a Boston College uh, game in the 90s, and I went to a Michigan OSU game in the early 2000s, and I actually never made it into the stadium because uh, I was tailgating the whole time at the golf course across the street. Um, <laughs> but I understand it was an amazing game. So um, welcome back, my friend. Happy New Year. Before we get to our guest, hey, let's talk about next week. This is what I've been resting up and getting healthy for. We got our kickoff core uh, we've got our kickoff core certification course. We've got our kickoff with Paul Anastasi in the Strength Finders program in uh, beautiful St. Charles. How are we looking on registration? Registration solid right now. The uh, our we're offering the uh, fourth module of our course certification, talking about the actual school building. It kicks off with an architect talking about the building envelope and moves on into the systems of the school building. So. Four classes there and about uh, 50 to 65 uh, school facility directors and maintenance leaders around our schools will, will be with us. And uh, and then uh, on the Wednesday preceding that, we'll have two uh, free offerings. One is to talk to school districts. Uh, it's a, actually an extended session. Most uh, sessions that we in schools uh, attend are, are our breakout sessions. So they last about 45, 50 minutes. These are hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes. And the two topics, the first one is um, Sloom Stutzer out of Francis Howell is going to bring in an architect that he worked with. And he's going to bring in the TIPS Cooperative. He's actually going to show our members how you can, can, can manage some of your small and medium-sized construction projects in-house without a lot of the extra expense that, that typically some schools you know, just think that's a normal process. So we're going to show them how to how to streamline that and do some things inside and use a cooperative purchasing and, and manage some of your own schedule by buying your materials direct and uh, uh, get that to your district before you have things installed. And then the second topic will be from Scott Dobson out of Raypec Schools and Jim Rich, um, rich with a lot of information from a lot of experience. Uh, they'll talk about how to how to organize a preventive maintenance program in your school buildings. And, and when you leave, you can also take with you or have sent to you uh, their spreadsheets on how to go through all your systems and schedule your maintenance and, and whether you would do some of that in-house 
or some of that, uh, depending on your staff, you would contract out. So those are our two topics there. And then our last uh, but not least, uh, we're offering an advanced certification program now. We've uh, offered our basic certification program for the since 2014. And uh, this year we graduated 26 uh, facility managers from that program. They would uh, attend seven of eight modules, those modules being topical. Um, and then, uh, but they a lot of them have graduated and they're like, what's next? You know, I, I love the classes. I love the professional relationships that I have with, with the group, but I, but I need, I, I want more. I want more. So kind of following in line with, uh, with teacher certification, we, we came up with a, a program. It isn't fully developed yet, but if we wait till it's fully developed, we may never launch it. So we launched um, uh, one of, it looks like about four topics, but those topics, uh, students will kind of meet like in a cohort, like they're doing uh, in education right now, where you enter a cohort and you stay with that group of people through all your classes. This first class is called uh, Lead With Your Strengths, and it comes from Jim Collins's work uh, through the Gallup Corporation. And uh, Jim Collins is, is well known for the self-assessment uh, of your of your own strengths and then how to understand uh, how to see the strengths of others that are on your staff or some of the strengths that are missing in your department or, or within your uh, responsibilities and how, how to identify those strengths and put those folks on their team and use them uh, to the benefit of the school district and the kids. So that new program has got 24, 25 people already uh um, registered. Uh, we charged a good amount of money for that uh, because we wanted to make sure people were serious about um, about uh, studying at a little higher level. And there aren't a lot of programs um, out in the state of Missouri that I'm aware of that actually train school facility directors. It's based on what you know, what you can do. But now we're trying to trying to help help our uh, leaders uh, grow into and to leaders and those that could benefit the school superintendent and in making decisions for the school district. So so the three programs, module four in our basic core certification will be offered. We will then offer a free a free session on uh, preventing how to how to generate or create a preventive maintenance program and how to how to manage some of your own in-house uh, capital projects, and then and then our third program, which is new, will be our mastery level course, and we will call that program. The certification will be a master school cert facility certification, um, and it doesn't hold a degree, uh, but holds a lot of good study and just a lot of good professional practice uh, that folks can take back to their district. And we have topics that we are considering for that master program, things like developing a full mass uh, preventive program, assessing the physical security of your school district, and planning the physical improvements and budgeting those to help your superintendent over the next two or three years. So those are the, the, that class, that leadership class will meet for its first time ever in St. Charles. Most folks will be in person. Other folks will be virtual. They will have eight classes that all can be taken virtually. We'll end that program in April, much like a graduate program. Start in January, end in April, have about eight sessions together. And that's the plan for each one of those classes. You can develop you know, leadership and identifying your own leadership strengths and strengths in others. 
then potentially and the next class might be safety assessment of your school facility. And we'll work with the Center for Educational Safety. They have a program. We'll teach our maintenance folks how to how to deploy that and, and bring that to their school district. Then you could, but during your classes, you will actually do those things and bring back to your cohort. Then another might be the preventive maintenance program, how to how to create one of those and all those ideas through six or eight class sessions. And then folks can bring that into their school district. And then perhaps it's a facility evaluation and you can you can then line up the the type of budgeting you would need uh, and type of funds you might need going forward. So those are the things we'd like to do with this program. We have interest in up in Wisconsin which is the Midwest facility leaders of six or seven states. And we're a part of that group. They're working with us on this as well. Uh, They would like to bring that to the Northern uh, central part of the United States. So we just kind of kicked off based on the needs of our members. And uh, we, so far it's, it's getting a good registration. So we're, we hope to have eight to 10 to us and we're 24, 25. Yeah, and and uh, I have word. I don't have confirmation from you, but I have word that someone from Massachusetts actually slid in the registration. Uh, he called me yesterday, uh, worried that he was not going to be able to slip through the Missouri security threshold. And he said, "I got my confirmation. I'm coming to the class." I said, "You better not talk because they're not. They're going to know you're not from Missouri. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride." But Bobby Shavs uh, at Assabet Valley. Uh, somehow got in as a, a Massachusetts Missourian, and everyone's going to get a copy of Don Clifton's book. This is um, scary, but amazing at the same time because it has a test. Every attendee is going to take the test. You're going to find out your five of the 35 strengths that you have, strongest strengths. I found out, and this is this was a learning lesson of 48. Um, uh, so often as a leader, I would sit here and say, why doesn't my team think like me? Why aren't they looking at this like this? Um, my my test results show that I am one in 33 million that has the five leadership strengths that I have, um, which is pretty interesting. If you put that into perspective in the United States, there's 10 other leaders that have the same thought processes as I do and strength, lead, top five leadership strengths. Um to do their day. So this is going to be an awesome, awesome event. And, uh, and I think now we will kick things off with our, our, our guest here, Dr. Doug, Doug Heider. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, good morning. Good to see you both. Well, good to be seen here on the Friday before the last regular season NFL game. I got my Patriots hat on in hopes that they can beat the Jets. Uh, we won't talk about the Chiefs uh, today. Uh, well, we probably will, and I'll probably get upset about it, but uh, that's what happens on these. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got here today. What do you do? What about your organizations? What got you into the business of education? And then we'll uh, we'll go on from there. Well, Josh, I'm executive director of the Missouri Association of School Administrators here in Missouri, and we're actually the statewide Professional Association for School Superintendents and Central Office Administrators. Uh, We do a variety of things. We, of course, help and mentor new superintendents. Uh, We have a superintendent coaching program for early career superintendents, professional development, legislative work at the Missouri Capitol. Uh, We have a major conference each spring and do a lot of work, of course, uh, with a lot of the 
fellow education groups in Missouri, including the plant managers group. So we believe in public education. We believe in strong leaders and a team effort making a school successful. So that's kind of our core mission to lead, develop, and support. Yeah, a couple of things that are interesting. I've uh, And you and I have just met for the first time just before this call. Um, so we haven't had a lot of background. I've, I've, I'm in Boston and um, I've worked in Missouri for um, a number of years from the sidelines. As a matter of fact, when Charlie was talking about Jim Rich and preventive maintenance, I was part of a survey program in 2012 that showed that Jim Rich was one of the top performing PM school districts in the country. Um, small little factoid there. Um, but I hadn't really dug my feet in and really experienced Missouri until about a year and a half ago. Um, Charlie invited me out to the annual conference. I went out, I, I, I sipped the Kool-Aid and I, I was, I was all in. And since then I've traveled the state. I've been out there, um, probably 14 times. I've been out to, uh, Campbell, Missouri, where, uh, it's the peach capital estate with the last name of peach. I, I got there on the kickoff opening of the fair. They were going to have me as the, uh, the, the grand marshal in the parade, but I had to leave, but, you know, 700, 700 or so kids in that district, right? Uh, not a lot of staff. Um, California, Missouri, I've, I've been to a number of these schools where your school administrators are wearing multiple hats. Um, so I, I find in Missouri, correct me if I'm wrong, in Missouri, it's more vital and important to have that synergy between the organizations, you know, cross-pollinating best practices, because a lot of your members, while their title might be superintendent or administrator, they might be the IT director, they might be the transportation director, they might be the facility director, they might be all of the above, right? That's absolutely correct. You know, I think it was Dickens, wasn't it, said the best of times and the worst of times. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of that way in our smaller schools. If you look at the data, about 68% of our districts have a 1,000 students or less. So we're, we're a heavily rural state. Yeah. And you're right, you know, the best, the worst. Uh, it's great because it gives our new administrators and younger administrators in many cases the chance to wear all those hats and learn some things that maybe, uh, you know, the formal schooling didn't teach them. And so when they go on to a bigger district, it gives them a much better knowledge base but you're right, Josh, the other side of that is they need the support of all these organizations to help them navigate the many facets that they have to do. So that becomes an important part of what we do, providing them resources and with other associations to make sure they can do their, their jobs for children effectively. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, when I when I talk about Campbell, the Campbell Camels, they've got a, a bust of a camel. I don't know if you've ever been to the school. It's amazing. Um, this, is the, this is kind of... Um, when you look at like, I'm trying to think of a, of a, the only movie I can think of is like Greece, um, you know, from the fifties or sixties with the fair at the school and this sense of community and everything. When you walk into Campbell's school building, um, they have a huge album. It's probably three feet high by three feet wide. And it's got every year of graduates of pictures of every graduate since the fifties. And when you scroll through that faculty members, will sit there and say, oh, that's my uncle, that's my father, that's my grandfather. The one thing I see in Missouri um, that is amazing is, is, and is an incredible sense of pride of community. Everywhere I go in the state, yeah. there is a huge pride of community. 
And the thing that we saw that was in Campbell that was just a resounding amazement, Paul Anastasi, who's doing the Strength Finders program, part of my K-12 pros and uh, my podcast co-host and guy that saved my life, facility director extraordinaire. He looked and he says, I can't believe that none of these hallways have a mark on their walls. And when we talked to the superintendent, he says, yeah, we make sure that these walls are sparkling and shining. And I'm guessing there's teachers and there's others that are getting paint rollers and paintbrushes and helping out and doing what they need to do when they need to do it. I mean, that sense of pride is amazing. Um, And that sense of community and synergy. And I think that comes with this organizational care for one another, first and foremost. Um, You know, what do you, what do you attribute or what do you think when, when you're, when you're looking at your members, how do you navigate? That's got to be really hard. When you said, I think it was 68% of your members or a thousand students or less just getting your members to be active because in other parts of the country, and you guys have incredible participation and, and act and, and support from, for, from a membership standpoint, but other parts of the country, when you have a school district that's under a thousand students, every faculty member from the superintendent down and as a rule, and many of them will say, I'm too small. I don't have the time. I can't go out of district, you know, this two days out to, to be at an event is, is, is impossible, which how do you get better, right? How do you improve if you stay on your Island known as your district? So how do you, what do you attribute your success and engagement? What are some of the things that you attribute that to? Cause I think people outside of Missouri would love to, to tap into that. You know, it's been interesting. Um, I served 20 years as a superintendent in the state before this position and you know, there's a uniqueness uh, in Missouri. The school is a community. You mentioned it, Josh, in so many ways. And there's such a bond there. I was superintendent of schools in Branson, Missouri, my last 13 years, which was a little bit unique and different because of the tourism industry yeah. compared to most of the state. But there was still that strong core value and, and sense of importance of education. So it can be difficult. Um I think our associations and education groups, teacher groups, all the way down, for the most part, we do a pretty good job of working together. And I hear that from other states. Um, You know, we have our differences, obviously, and should. But as a whole, I think it's pretty positive. And again, I think that's kind of the show me state, the Missouri ethic, and just the pride in local schools um, that people have. It's definitely a team effort for sure. Yeah, no, I I um I lead a very exciting life, uh, Doctor Heider. You're gonna hopefully you <laughs> you and I will talk more after this. Um, I lead a very exciting life, and so nights and weekends I don't sleep much. Um, I watch school committee meetings, um, and I watch them around the country. Charlie's nodding his head because he listens to me, and I tell him like, "Hey, do you know I watched I watched three school committee meetings last night? I watched one here, here, and here, but I I listened to I watched one in particular Missouri last week." And it was really amazing because there was this resounding uh, continued, there was there was a challenging discussion, um, but there was this continuous message of if it doesn't help all kids, why do we do it, right? If it doesn't help all kids, and what you talk about that sense of community, it really is. You, 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 you land and when you fly out of the country and you fly into Missouri and you get to an education institution in Missouri, you get that sense of every kid every day. You really do across the board, rural, city, 
uh, inner city. Uh, I've been to all of them, and it's just this this continuous message. And I think that's that's pretty impressive. Um, let's talk about what what you offer your members. So I'm, I'm on your your website here, and it, it looks like you got a lot going on. So you know, what are some of the top things? Or you know, and and what's your membership look like? Also, how many members do you have? A little bit about the history of the organization, but what are some of the like must be a part of, must do, must go to um, as being a member of of uh, of your organization? Yeah, we we've been really fortunate. Even uh, when I served as superintendent, the state association was always strong, and we have 518 public school districts in the state. There's another, I think. 38, 39 charters that are considered public, which puts us about 557. But we primarily serve the public school arena. And of the 518, um, we have probably 90 plus percent of those as members. And we add, when you add assistant superintendents, we also have a group membership, Josh, that where they can list a variety of others. I mean, we're well over 1,100 members across the state. So it's very, very strong and has continued to be that way. And we've really tried to build a continuum from aspiring because there's a void in education from the superintendent to the building level, to teachers, to support staff, that we've got to try to get back where it needs to be. So we've tried to build that in helping our first year folks specifically, our second, third year. We figure if we can really work hard with our program to get them up through year four or five, I think we would probably all agree, you know, in any positions we've had after that first three to five years, you kind of start to figure it out and you kind of have your feet underneath you. But we also have a lot of good programming with cohorts around the state, PD and other work for those five, 10 years and beyond. So we really try to build a, a continuum across the way, but really, you know, lately been focusing on those early leaders because if they don't get their feet underneath them, and if you look at the attrition rate for teachers, you know, we're losing half of them by year five. We just have to keep people in there as long as we can. It's extremely important. Yeah. Have you, and now do you have a mentorship program built into your organization? Currently? We do. Yeah. yeah. Year one, there's a required, we call it, I actually call it a mentorship, which is a part of their recertification uh, later when they upgrade their certification after a certain number of years. And then we just added a few years ago in conjunction with our state department, you know, back to the point about, I think we work well together. Yeah. Um, they've provided resources. We've provided resources where every second and third year superintendent in our state has free access to a coach for 20 hours per year, retired superintendent who can be there beside them along with all the other programming we do. And then we have an academy after that, women in leadership that we've started. So, yeah. With, it really is a lot there that we can offer to help keep them where they need to be. I love it. I love it. And 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 there's not enough of that. So um, as you build the blueprint, share it with the rest of the country, because that is, um, I have a company, it's K-12 Pros, that we, our whole focus is bringing retired operations professionals back into the workforce yeah. because there's nobody to do the work. Um, and one of the programs is a mentorship program. So um, we're, we're, we're seeing that and, and we don't see a, a light at the end of the tunnel where the, the gap is going to get filled, at least in, in my, my career lifetime. I've got 25, 
I've got like 20, 25 years, hopefully, of, of work left in me. I'm, I don't know what to do without work. And so I'm going to work till I'm in my 70s, hopefully, at least, as long as I'm here. And I don't see that gap being filled completely. And one of it is, um, again, what you, you hit the nail on the head, getting those people in and not losing them. If you can get them past the, the first two or three years, then you've got them. You know, if you can get them past the first uh, graduation, I tell people every um, every faculty member should go to a kindergarten class on the first day of school and they should go to the graduation every year. And if you do that, um, you'll that's your why. You know, yeah. that's what's going to happen. So, um, so what, what else is, what else do you got going on here? So you got a, uh, an upcoming conference. Yeah. Yeah. We have our major conference uh, in March of each spring and we'll have, uh, Oh, 525 to 550 in attendance. It's always well attended. Uh, our commissioner of education comes, we have some great keynotes, breakout sessions. We build in some, some social time as well. It's a good time to relax and reflect. The other good thing about it is uh, we kind of do a legal and school finance update and legislative, and that's good timing because our legislative session just started, Josh, this week, and that's a we have a, spend a lot of time and resources there, you know, making sure that uh, things that promote public education. So, yeah, my my administrative assistant and I looked at our schedule January through June yesterday, and we decided we needed a nap. Uh, it's yeah. going to be a busy spring. So, yeah, a lot going on. Well, that's, that is amazing. And 90% of the districts are involved. Um, when did you take, when did you take this on? I actually, I actually retired mid-year uh, in December of 2015. I came here in 2016 yeah. and spent one year kind of as an associate. And then the executive director retired and took over in January of 2017. So time passes quickly. Yeah, no, it does. And and was it was it heavily was it that engaged then, or have you seen a, an uptick in growth um, over over the the last six years? You know, it's always been strong from a membership perspective, even back to the beginning. You know, we're like every uh, other organization and really part of society post COVID. It's it's a little bit different world, mm -hmm. and so we've seen a shift and how we can help our folks, especially with some of the, you know, political things that go on. Uh, obviously you said you try to go to sleep by watching board and committee meetings of schools. Yeah. Um, but some of them are quite entertaining and, and very emotional. So that's changed a little bit. And I think that's kind of refocused our programming a little bit on really helping superintendents deal with boards and more specifically the political, emotional and social media landscape that, is so much more prevalent today. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things that I, I just had this conversation this morning with another school uh, district, in another part of the country, because they're frustrated um, because, you know, they're saying that they're looked at with a magnifying lens and they can't, they got to feel like they got to say everything right. They got to do everything right because there's all eyes are on them. The reality is all eyes have been on them all whole time. We just have communities that are getting involved and with communities getting involved, um, they need to be educated. And that's what I've been telling, you know, and I, and I think that the school committees in Missouri specifically and the, and the faculty and leadership are doing a great job. Um, we need to have engaged communities. And unfortunately, we have engaged communities in many places today for negative. And it's just because um, 
I, I tell people this, and I'm very open about it. It's my opinion. It's my thinking. I'm not that smart. It took me five years to graduate high school. I always preface it with this. But um, school districts and municipalities have the most difficult uh, customers. Nobody needs to agree with me on this, on this, on this statement. We, you have the most difficult customers, i.e. residents and parents, because they are customers that have things that they can't control. They can't control how much they pay. They can't control the services that they get or don't get. And they feel like there's no ability to make any change to it. And so for a long time, they just sat back and just complained about it to their friends. And now they're stepping up and complaining about it to the school boards, not necessarily doing it in the best of ways, but it's because of emotion. It's because of frustration. It's because we're in tough economic times. It just read that one in three families is is taking advantage of food stamps or or uh, food food assistance in the country today that's scary that's 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 eye opening stuff um but what what it's going to do over time is i think it's going to transition so that these people that are involved will start to get involved with other things because we also don't have enough school committee members we don't have enough uh, board of assessor committee members we don't have enough historical preservation committee members we don't have enough volunteers and the best way to get people to volunteer is to get them involved and to get them emotional thinking about things. And I think that that's what's happening now that with help from organizations like your, both of yours to raise their professionalism, to improve their opportunity to network work with peers and say, Hey, how did you handle this? Right. How did you do deal with this? We're talking about, you know, big, big ticket things, big, big worries today. Um, Lead in schools, right? You guys are a leading state with lead water testing, right? There's more lead produced in the state of Missouri than anywhere else in the country. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of these statements, Charlie, please. Um, in, the, in the country, I don't know about Missouri, but huge discussion about gender neutral bathrooms. There's a lot that goes around that. And when you do something like that, there's a lot of aspects that typic, people typically don't understand, which is if you do that, you, you you want to have floor to ceiling partitions. You don't want to have partitions that are the standard, you know, 18 inches up. Then you have ventilation issues. You have all these things. It's funny. I was, I was, I, I saw a post yesterday. I went down a terrible rabbit hole, completely off topic, Charlie. So jump in and cut me off at any point. But I saw. <laughs> I'm getting close. <laughs> Town of Shrewsbury, Keith, Keith Baldinger um, went to Ireland over the holidays and he put a post on LinkedIn uh, and it was a picture of a solar powered, um, municipal trash compactor. And he sent it to his, to his community and said, Hey, we should look at getting these things. And so it's a trash barrel on the side of the road, right? It's just one little aspect of a community that nobody thinks about. When does the trash get emptied? When, who picks it up? How do they pick it up? Do you ever see them pick it up? You don't. And so I went and I started asking all these questions uh, to my uncle, uncle Google, how often does a municipal trash barrel get emptied? How much does it cost to empty that barrel? What would be the impact of having a compactor opposed to a, a common 120 or 240 liter receptacle? This is where my brain goes. Really confusing places. Think about all the bits and bytes and cogs and wheels in a school building that are like a solar powered trash compactor that have all these moving pieces that just looks like it works. Yeah. Right. You think about that and you look at it like simple stuff, like traffic flow for buses, right? 
We don't think about the, a, a, a typical resident wouldn't think about the impact of building an entrance on the north side of a street opposed to a south side of a street. But the district, the leaders have to think about what is that impact and how does that impact the cul-de-sac on the south side opposed to the north side. And what I'm seeing a lot of improvement on through organizations like yours with improved professional development, with getting away from the standard, you know, if you're a business official, you're going for bean counting, you know, number crunching stuff. Uh, if you're a facility director, wrench turning, if you're a superintendent, you know, strong curriculum focus and and all aspects of kind of the, the CEO, you're drilling into how do we communicate to our stakeholders? How do we best execute this in the best possible way? And how do we, most importantly, how do we, how do we, Make it so that our community knows that we're not doing this for us, we're doing it for them. And that's what I'm seeing organizations really step up and do with like this leadership program with with Charlie, with a lot of this curriculum. I was looking at your keynote speakers for your conference. Um, very impressive. Uh, I was looking at uh, uh, Dr. Lisa Hinkleman. That's one of your keynotes, right? I, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm right. Uh, very impressive. Um with with the solid message. So I think that's I think you guys are doing some amazing, amazing stuff. Now, at the sake of us being able to impact positively your membership, which is going to be really hard. I mean, we got 10% left. So, but how do people get a hold of you? Where do they go for more information? Um, where can they get a taste? If there's a new uh team member in a school, how do they get uh, to be a part of that mentorship program. Sure. Yeah, they can contact us. We're easy to find. Missouri Association of School Administrators uh, on the website. I think you could ask, uh, go up to random people around the state, and they, they could get you to MASA pretty quickly yeah. uh, without any any hesitation. And, you know, you spurred a thought a while ago, two things. One, I remind superintendents all the time, you got into this because you're an educator. And you're still an educator. Yeah. You're just educating your community, your board. It's a different audience, your administrative team. And the other piece that I've always shared, Josh, is I'm not really any more important as superintendent. I have more responsibility than others. But we all work together, whether it be building principals, plant managers, food service. The core being that classroom and that teacher. And how do we all work together to make sure that we do what we can do? And part of that is that facilities piece. And, you know, I, I was not in the military, but one of the things that I, I've read in some leadership books is for me personally, first thing I do in the morning is make my bed and I make it right. I mean, yep. things need to be right. And in a school district, you know, that's where this particular podcast, as far as facilities, let's give kids the safest and best environment we can. For some, it's the best they have. And and that's why it's so key from feeding them to getting them there to all that. So absolutely, all that ties in. And that's what we want to try to help our members do ultimately across the state. Yeah. You know, you, Josh, you, let's, let's go back to your sidewalks uh, because yeah. I'm a facility guy. So I'm a small. He was going to cut me off on the sidewalks. Did you, you see that? I was see gonna, that? So here's, so here's what you don't do, Josh. You don't put sidewalks up next to a building on the north side. You get your sidewalks and your streets away from your building on the north side. You can put them close on the south side if you like, because as we're expecting weather the next few days, 
Yeah. The sun's in the south in Missouri. So you want to make sure that your son can get over your building, get on your sidewalks. That's the best labor force you can get during bad weather, during ice and snow is the sun. So yeah. that's how a facility guy thinks. We think small. Yeah. Okay. See, see I, teed, <laughs> so, I teed him up. He didn't even know it. I teed him up. I knew he was going to try to cut me off and I was going to go someplace with it. But so, that's. But you have a school, you have a school district in the state that there was discussion as to the entrance, the side of the entrance of what, you know, which direction the, the entrance was going to be in and, and trying to spin the building 90 degrees. And from a facilities aspect, from a um, safety aspect, a lot of it has to do with weather. Some of it might be to do something else, but that communication piece and and making sure, because for someone, for, for, for a layman citizen myself not being in the business i would say it's more aesthetically pleasing maybe for it to be on you know facing right. the other way right so um, right josh know. i was brought in as a contractor about four years ago to a small district that i started teaching middle school english which was a band far elementary Day and farber yep. a consolidated district back probably in the Oh, I don't know, Doug, late, late 50s, 60s, early 70s, probably when we reorganized and consolidated districts in the state. But uh, they, the superintendent had a problem. He kept hearing about it year after year from parents and from his, and from his school principal and his teachers that the, the, the traffic, the pickup traffic, the parents were, were using the same driveway as the buses. And it was just causing a major problem. And, a, and the superintendent, he just didn't know, you know what to do with that. He just didn't have ideas. And, and I'm there with a, a, a cement mason, and we're getting ready to, to work over the parking lot. And I said, why don't we just put an island here? We'll close this parking lot down so the cars can't get to the buses. We'll leave a, a gate that's here. And, and we'll change the direction of your, of your parent flow. And he looked at me and said, I never, we never thought of that. So... <laughs> As the sidewalks, as the flow of traffic, the facility folks have have some uh, some ideas, and so I guess I would uh, kind of like to head towards the facility side of this, Doug. And what what kind of information uh, do superintendents typically come out of out of college with and start start their careers on on facilities? Charlie, I you know there are some basic courses. There is a facilities class. And there might be some carryover, but it, it's one of the areas I, I would say, you know, we need to do more of the practicality. Now, you have exceptions, maybe yeah. people who whose dad grew up in construction or, you know, they worked to some summer jobs, so they have a much better knowledge. But it's definitely one of the areas that they learn as they go. Right. And having those resources out there to help them understand and, and learn about that is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. We and. uh and yeah, you know, that's where we come in. That's why we, we enjoy our partnership with uh, with Massa, with Mayor, working with your school districts. Um, and so, the condition of our school facilities—have you seen a change in that over the last uh, several years? Uh, maybe are they the same condition they were twenty years ago? Talk about what you see or sense. You know, when I travel around the state, I, I'm amazed. I think Josh alluded to it earlier, you know, with Campbell. People take care of their facilities. I mean, I was very fortunate in the districts I worked in. I thought they did an excellent job, and we we emphasized that and held people accountable for it, and, and they took a lot of pride in it. Um, so when I look, especially some of our uh, smaller districts where they don't have the bonding capacity and they have older facilities, 
there's always exceptions as we both we all know but overall I, there's just a sense of pride and and yeah. when i go around i would say uh definitely the exception for not to have things even in older buildings clean painted yeah. uh fresh and looking nice and i get that sense in, in almost all the districts that i visit josh and, and you as well the pandemic uh, brought a, brought an infusion of some some funds to school districts. Uh, what do we think that it it improved uh, school facilities at all and and, and classrooms for kids? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned your earlier career. I, of course, was superintendent uh, American Recovery Reinvestment Act with President Obama. Uh, those were funds that that helped us during the economic downturn, but it pales in comparison to the ESSER funding. Right. And so it really opened up a lot of avenues for people to help facilities, HVAC, to, you know, maneuver funds to put on that new roof that they couldn't afford, uh, dehumidifiers, all the various aspects. So there is no question that was a huge help to districts, especially for some of those long-term maintenance projects. Yeah, we've and, seen a, a lot of attention in our association amongst our members talking about clean air talking yeah. about the environment in a classroom. Um, folks jumped all over um, spraying, spraying products in the air. And we're like, you know, we've, we've kind of rethought some of that, uh, you know, uh, tightening up your filters with, with porous, more porous material or things that are tired. And um, you're like, well, wait a minute. Now let's study the equipment itself and let's see what its tolerance range is for a filter. Let's look at bipolar or ionization or ways to collect dust particles. And let's look at the amount of fresh air that is supposed to be in a room because there's always been a standard. Are we even following the standard that has been in place for us? And now, now we have lead water and lead water testing. And we, as Josh alluded to, we're a large producer of lead. It's natural in the Southern part of our state, but uh, we're we're falling in line now with that, and it seems like districts are um, are getting uh, are coming up to speed on filtering their water, at least testing the water, making sure it's safe for their kids. And um, I do, I agree. I think Esser made a big impact. I thought with um, uh, digital instruction, uh, yeah. being able to rewire your buildings and get faster faster and more speed and, and get more electronic devices for teachers and kids uh, in the classroom. And it looks like ESSER has helped a healthier, safer campus and, and school building. So I, I well, agree. Yeah, crisis always, they do that, don't they? Crises do that. And do. with COVID, it absolutely refocused well, us. And yeah, I totally agree, Charlie. Well, and, I, and I'll tell you, um, and I won't say because you guys are on here, it's just, it's just a fact. I see that Missouri's decision-making and how the funds were utilized specifically to facilities is a lot different than other places in the country. There are a lot of closets in any school USA filled with $5,000 temperature taking um, device stations and other, you know, things that didn't really have uh, the staying power of uh, air, air replacement and upgrades of HVAC systems so that they could, they could handle a MERV 13 filter or a MERV 15 filter. I mean, how many places, how many old school buildings that have 50 year old pieces of equipment that have filters that are basically suffocating the equipment because they don't have the capacity yep. 
for a filter uh, that that that's stronger than a Kleenex, right? And uh, so, and I think a lot of that, uh, quite honestly, comes from association participation. I can I had a conversation with Kyle Gorell from Lee Summit six months ago, and I made a comment about air quality standards, and he started throwing out ASHRAE 1973 standards that, you know, school districts in some cases couldn't even keep up with those because of funding challenges and ESSER was allowing allowing these schools to get up to date and to be in line with where they needed to be, which is pretty cool. So I think a lot of it had to do with that knowledge base of your members of both organizations coming together and saying, okay, what has what 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 do we have that has staying power and isn't today's bright shiny object, right? And because and news pushed you guys, you know, news pushed you to to have all these devices and all these sprays and all these different things that were going to change the world that really had no no proven track record, and a lot yeah. of schools bought into that. And a lot of them, I think, were non participating schools involved in um, that were not involved with organizations that had their peers that they could compare notes with, which I think is, is, is key. Yeah. You know, educators, superintendents, staff, I don't think there's any question. They're all willing to help. I mean, I hear that all the time and that's the other good thing. You know, I get, I'm on email chains all the time from our members say, Hey, I'm getting ready to do a bid for anybody have some examples of stuff like that. Hey, I'm getting ready to purchase a bus. Hey, we're going to, we're going to put a new roof on. And they're great about jumping in. So just that camaraderie and the whole education community really is a part of what we do. And, you know, seeing that from an executive director position, you don't always see that on the business side. There's a little bit of secrecy, a little bit of what we don't want our, you know, competitor. But in our world, it really is a a sharing and a working together, which is really neat. Yeah. No, I've been in this business for 27 years. I've been in the, the software operations side of the world. And um, I'll tell you, my 27 years, I've never been, um, I've never had a more thorough examination of our software than Saloom Stutzer. And Saloom put uh, probably 20 hours of staff time. He wanted it, he wanted buy-in from his entire staff, which I thought was amazing. And he had his kickoff call with us last week. And out of our 600 plus clients, he's the first one that all of his staff, by the time the call was done, were authenticated and logged in. So that thorough overview and that 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 work that that was put in up front is going to pay dividends in the back end. And when I was talking to him the other day, he said, "Feel free to let any of my peers know that you're talking to. I'm happy to share my playbook and how I did this evaluation. Not that they have to decide to go with you, but my evaluation process. I'm happy to share. Why invent the wheel, especially when you have people that are doing the right thing." I'll, I'll play. I'll plagiarize and take that playbook any day if it's going to save me from possibly making a mistake or learning the best practice quicker. I'm I'm too old to try to figure stuff out on my own if it's already out there and everything's already out there. So, yeah, you guys do great with that stuff, and I'm I'm seeing it every day um, from a yeah. from a and like you say that competitive piece. Education is the only industry which technically you are in competition as a school district or community. You are in competition with the other communities for those tax dollars for people to live there. But there's this real genuine piece of, of if you're in education, that genuine care for everyone and you and you don't say, 
this is my best practice, this is my what have you. It's, you know, sharing with the world um, what works and how it works. I actually just did a post on LinkedIn about this yesterday, about the power of of referral and reference and how strong my businesses are 100% referral-based and they grow year over year. And it's because people share because they want others to be successful, which is great. Well, Doug, and that brings, uh, Josh mentioned uh, one of my, our board members, Saloom, down at uh, Francis Howell, and he's an amazing professional. Uh, he may be on some of those late night uh, uh, shows that you're watching board members, Josh. I'm not sure, but I would take, I would guess that. But um, Saloom comes from Independence Move this year at Francis Howell and is just doing an amazing job there. But we're seeing in our our association, Doug, more and more of school facility directors. And, and of course, right now it's in the larger schools where they're becoming part of the executive team. Uh, They're an executive director of school facilities or in operations. Um, uh, Just this past, just this week, another board member of ours who who, uh, in early February will be the National School Plant Managers Association president for a year, uh, Sean Dilday. Sean is the new executive director of operations at the Springfield Public School District. And so we're really proud of Sean and, and we're, we're proud to have those kinds of folks that are professionals in the facility, uh, school facilities, be a part of our leadership and our association. Are you seeing, are you seeing more and more use of the facility specialist? And it might be just the best maintenance guy or the only maintenance guy. Are you seeing an emergence of those folks being a little bit more or uh, on the, on an executive team, or at least have a, have a better, a, a really good relationship with the uh, school administration? Yeah, I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, okay. COVID certainly has driven that. And as you mentioned, sometimes size of district a little bit may play. Uh, I know, especially during my 13 years at Branson, Dwight Cutbirth, who you know well, but we had all of our directors, food service, transportation, facilities, plant management, et cetera, they were all a part of the superintendent cabinet. And of course we had uh, separate meetings with support staff directors and principals and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think it's crucial because there's such a, an intertwining of everything that you do, but absolutely that communication piece, the collaborative leadership piece uh, is something that's important and you're seeing it more and more. Yeah. And I, I would uh, kind of merge our thought processes by our association sharing information and and having mentorships and and having training and guidance that um that some i i just feel like one of my one of my answers to i don't know that my maintenance guy has the time to be there i i I tell them there's a lot of things you're working on in your district or you're trying to find information and you look for for quite some time they may come to a one and a half day meeting and find something you've been pondering for a year and a half, two years and don't know how to resolve it. But someone else at that meeting, another professional has dealt with it 10 times and they're willing to help you. So uh, not being and not engaging and participating in your association and meetings sometimes costs you a lot of time and money that if you just would, would uh, be a part of those and, and, and talk and listen and, 
you, you'll pick up so many things. And that's all we want to do in school facilities is, is create healthier and safer school environments and provide uh, the best training to our staff like you do, and then be able to take that information and, and uh, share it back with your school district so they can make decisions uh, yeah. for school facilities. Yeah, being proactive, so, Charlie, you know, we try to tell our members, schedule these things, you know, right. ahead. Look at your year-long calendar. You and I both know, all three of us, if you if you do it ahead of time and get it in there, it's on the calendar, makes right. it much, much easier, you know, for that to happen. And the other thing I would say is, you know, we had a slogan at Branson that if you want to be world-class, you need to spend time with world-class people. And yep. so, you know, we wanted to get our folks out, obviously reasonably, obviously schedule it, obviously cover. But that's important because if we're not learning, uh, we're not growing, and it only helps yeah. every aspect of our district. Exactly. So That's spot, spot on and well said. Uh, I, I talk about the, the the five people you spend the most time with. You're the average of, uh, which is a Jim Rohn saying, and I, I, I talk about that. And I want to step back to something you you touched on, which some I talk on in all my keynotes, which is and 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 it's and it was so refreshing to hear you say this, uh, because it's it's often um, with superintendents we talk about the curriculum, we talk about the teacher, we talk about the academics, but you made the comment which I'm so. Uh, the, the, again, I, five years in high school, uh, I'm not the academia uh, valedictorian, but my high school was one of the safest and the best places for me to be to spend eight hours of my day five times a week. And that was 30 years ago. I'm on my 30 year uh, reunion year. Today, there are 3 million kids, which essentially puts you and somewhere around an 82% chance that in every single is every single classroom in the United States today, there's at least one child that is either uh, homeless in foster care or, 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 or doesn't know where their next meal is going to come from. Right. And, and these schools today, it's so important for these facilities to be bright, to be clean, to be safe, to be healthy, because it is the one place for many of our kids, so many of our kids, where they might not be doing well academically, but it is gives them hope and it gives them a feeling of love. I'm going to speak. Um, I, I'm going to speak with Ray Moore Peculiar, um, their their faculty and staff. Which I'm, I, and this is one thing I want to touch on with you because something in Missouri that I see coming from the superintendents is the importance of professional development for their staff, not just their educators. And so Ray Moore Peculiar, I'm doing all their all their operational staff, food service, transportation, um, facilities, nurses, special education. It's going to be great. Um, but the one thing I talk about, too, I, I don't call them bus drivers. They're smile providing student transportation professionals. That's their role. That's their job. You put them as bus drivers. Anybody can turn a wheel and step on the gas. But what, what our smile providing student transportation providers, what they do is they provide that first and last smile for a child that doesn't get any anywhere else. The last one on Friday, they get from that per that person driving that bus. And the first one on Monday is the person picking them up. They got two days where they're not getting any of that stuff. So those schools are so vitally important, not just for education, but for living. And uh, and I'm so glad and appreciative that you made that statement of the importance of that because that's often overlooked. Yeah, very true. So, yeah, very true. So so. 
Well, this has been great. I said I wasn't going to talk a lot. Charlie had like an audio challenge, so I had to take over. I don't know if you heard that, <laughs> but it was like we could hear his heartbeat. Um, last last episode, he was on like a repeat mode. I think he's got like some sort of a whammy button over there that he pushes. But this has been an honor and so amazing to see all the great work that you're doing. Love to see that this, this synergistic um, between between you and, and MSPMA. I think that that's what a big piece of what uh, shows these schools to be uh, just spotlight schools that people are looking at from around the country. How are you doing it? What are you doing? Um, and just keep up the awesome work. Thank you for being with us this month. You bet. Really enjoyed it. Great to see both of you. Doug, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. And I know the legislative session has you guys busy over there. But uh, I appreciate your friendship and appreciate all that you do and your staff. And so thank you and look forward to working with you this year. Charlie, you as well. Josh, nice to meet you. When Coach Belichick retires, I'll be looking for you on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's why I'm letting the beard grow. That's why I'm letting it go. Uh, next time I talk to you, I'm going to tell you a funny story about meeting Tom Brady's best friend in the Detroit airport bathroom, uh, high school, uh, best friend of Michigan, Um convinced I was Matt Patricia, but uh, that that's a story for another day. But uh, Charlie, another great fireside chat. We need to work on a virtual fireplace background for these. Um, you, uh, you continue to bring uh, incredible updates and awesome guests for us. And we'll keep doing this uh, the first Friday of every month. And um, for those that are listening to us, we are on a mission. My, my goal, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to have this podcasts in the top five percent of all podcasts it's a couple million out there three million of them so it's a big it's a big 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 ask um there's there's three or four metrics that that happens by listeners uh subscribers five star rating and reviews so how people are willing to click that five star button and put a review up um and that those are the the main factors so if you could click the subscribe button on the podcast platform of your choice, scroll down and hit the five-star rating and give us a review, that would be amazing. If you think we have room for improvement, we always do, and we don't earn that five-star rating review, before you hit something else, give me a call. Send me an email, josh at beawesome, josh at beausm.com. Let me know how we can improve. We'll look at it, evaluate it, and if it makes sense, hey, we'll do it. Maybe we'll even have you on, on as a guest to tell us about it. So uh, in the meantime, thank you so much. Have a great new year. I hope everybody's off to a wonderful start, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, guys.